0: Okay, I'd like to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the Old Testament. It's the last Sunday of the month, and so typically sometimes on the last Sunday of the month or in between different series, I will preach and teach a psalm. And so today, um, as I've been preaching and teaching over the years, I'm on Psalm 20. So as you can tell, I don't do it every last Sunday of the month, but it just it fell, um, it fell fell in a good place this month, and so that's where we're going to be. So I invite you to turn over to Psalm chapter 20. As you're turning there, I just want to remind you um, as you're turning there that we need to remember that this was the first songbook, uh, the first devotional that the church had. And so as we as we read the Psalms, we hear, as I uh, was so reminded a few sermons ago uh, through Psalms, that we see the psalmist being raw and real with the Lord. You know they're they're really pouring out their hearts. They're telling him what's on their heart and mind, and and so that's a reminder to us even today that we can do the same. He he can take that. He he wants that. He wants to hear from us. Don't just come to him with pleasantries or what you think he wants to hear. But how about take what you're really feeling and 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 share that with him. And so this morning I entitled uh, today's message a a battle prayer and we'll see how this is a prayer uh, but i want to start with this a pastor friend of mine uh, bill langford uh, he is wise very wise man and uh, always reading always studying and in a pastors group that we're in on facebook he shared these um this nugget of wisdom this week and i want to begin with this he said i can't tell you how important prayer is let's just say sometimes it's a matter of life and death and if you have to say a life and death prayer, you don't want to be an amateur. And he used this word, Selah, at the end. Hang on to that word, Selah. You'll see that again. But it is. If, if, if prayer is sometimes a matter of life and death, then you definitely don't want to be an amateur when it comes to talking to your Heavenly Father. Amen. So as we begin to look at Psalm 20, I want to remind you that um, like Psalm 18 and Psalm 21, that these are royal psalms and they are concerned with the king's military activities. In Psalm 20, we see David, as you'll see in a moment, we see David praying for help in the battle. And then Psalm 21, we see him praising him for victory in the battle. So these two psalms are linked. They are interconnected. And so this morning, we are going to look at Psalm 20. So I encourage you, look with me this morning into God's holy and precious word, and let's read this together. falls under the heading of, trust in the name of the Lord our God, to the choir master or the song leader, the worship leader, a psalm of David. So right there in the inscription above this psalm, we see that this is a psalm of David. Beginning in verse 1, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May He send you help from His sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May He remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Selah. May He grant your heart's desire And fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy over your salvation. And in the name of our God set up banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. And he will answer him from his holy heaven. With the saving might of his right hand. Verse 7. And some trust in chariots. And some in horses. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. They fall, they collapse and fall, but we rise and stand upright. O Lord, save the King. May he answer us when we call. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the Psalms. We thank you for David as we hear his heart thousands of years later of a man who is after your heart. Lord, a man who had messed up, who made mistakes, but Lord, he trusted in you, and he found forgiveness of his sins in you and you alone. So Father, we pray this morning as we study this psalm, help us to see you more clearly. Help us to apply your word to our lives, and Lord, help us to pray before the battle. Lord, we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So for those of you who might not have heard me preach through a psalm before, we have some on the on the phone and sometimes people who visit. And so one of the things about a psalm is we're going to step through this. We're going to go verse by verse and we're going to look at this particular psalm and begin to unpack uh, some truths of that. In verses 1 through 3, we really see kind of some trouble that they're in. And as I've told you, this is a prayer before the battle. Verse 1, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. So here's the thing I want to remind you is that indeed, as David is telling us, may the Lord indeed answer you in your day of trouble. May he remind you of his presence. And then David says, and as I want you to remember as we read scripture, things are there for a purpose. God gave his penmen who who penned these words under the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they're there for a reason. And so as you sit down and you study these things, David says, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you. See, that God of Jacob is a particular reminder. It's a personal name. It's a reminder of the covenant that God had with Israel. It's the word Yahweh. Yahweh, It's it's God's name. And it was a reminder that he is the God of Israel's ancestors and he is the founder of their nation. David reminds us as we pray in the name of our Lord, may he protect you. You know, how often are you praying for protection over your loved ones and over your family and over yourself? We typically do it when we travel, but what if we were to pray that every day? Lord, see me through this day. Protect me. Give me the strength that I need. You see, David had a great name, but the Lord's name is greater. And it's also a reminder, too, that some names can't be trusted. In the world we live in, they think that they can, but they can't because people are going to let you down. They're going to fail you. Why? Because they are sinful. They're human. They're not without error and then we see where david says may the lord or may the god of jacob protect you i want you to look back with me at psalm 18 verse 1 through 3 that i preached a, a few months ago we see where david is saying i love you o lord my strength the lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer my god my rock in whom i take refuge My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I call upon the name of the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. You see, as we look at this word protect, it's to make high. And and the Lord is our strong tower. He is our fortress in our times of trouble. David tells us in Psalm 18, In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. And then verse 9 is an amazing verse and a reminder to us. David says, He bowed the heavens and came down. Why? Because He loves you. And because He wants to have that relationship with you. Verse 2, May He send you help from His sanctuary. And may He give you support. May He sustain you from Zion. Zion was the Lord's holy hill. Some of your translations may say Jerusalem. Because that was where the Lord resided in those times. Was in his sanctuary. So may he send you help from his sanctuary. May he give you support. May he sustain you. Verse 3. May he remember all your offerings and in regard in regard with favor your burnt offerings, your burnt sacrifices, your burnt offerings. And then we see that word that I told you to hold on to this morning. We see this word Selah. It appears 71 times in the Psalms and appears in Habakkuk 3. And so really, as we said, this the, the, the Psalms were written as as music, as the original hymn book and devotional of the church. And so just like when Miss Betsy plays on the piano, she has certain things that denote what key and and where she needs to start and where the refrain is. And so in essence, this Selah is considered to be a musical denotation. It is a pause. It is a musical interlude. And so as I think about that this morning, I meant to ask Miss Betsy, and I forgot to ask her, but typically, you know, an interlude is a piece that's played between other pieces. So in essence, as David is is praying this prayer, we see there's a time of trouble. They're heading into battle. He's saying, Selah. Selah. And in essence, what he's saying is, stop. Ponder this. As Derwin Gray, a pastor in the upstate who was a former football player turned preacher of the gospel, he would have this nugget of wisdom, like 60 seconds that he would share on uh, WMHK a lot of times. And at the end of each of his little uh, talks, he would say, marinate on that. And that's in essence what David is saying. He's saying pause. He's saying marinate on what we're saying, that the Lord will answer you in your day of trouble. He will protect you. There is help. There is support. Say Remember, pause, reflect—a great word that we see that we sometimes overlook. What's interesting to me too is I study this psalm as I don't know whether they just, sometimes we take things for granted, right? As I studied this Psalm, nobody, none of the commentaries, none of the uh, study Bibles, none of the things that I was digging into to, to learn and to grow about this verse, none of them mentioned Selah. I guess they took it for granted because maybe when, I think the first time we see that word appear is in Psalm 3. So maybe they added those notes on Psalm 3 and just forgot about it. But I, I think sometimes in our walk with the Lord, we need reminders. We need a reminder to Selah. We need a reminder to hear a word from the Lord and just to pause and and to meditate, to let it marinate in our hearts and in our minds. Verse 4, may he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. You see, the Hebrew language doesn't contain the word desire. So in essence, David is literally saying, may he give you according to. To your heart. As I was reading and studying this. Someone noted. They said. We must remember God's gifts to us. Depend on the condition. Of our hearts. It is our hearts. You know. I have made mistakes in my life. In ministry. Even with other ministers. And co-laborers. When I was in youth ministry. One time I went on this tirade. I went on this rant on Facebook and I told him, I said, this is why we can't get anything done for the gospel, is because of you jokers. Because of what you're doing. And I said, I'm just sharing what's on my heart. And I'll never forget my friend Jeremy Touchstone. Pray for Jeremy. He and his wife uh they lost a good bit of things in the flood as they live in Florida now. And as the hurricane came through it flooded the bottom part of their home and they lost uh, a good bit of stuff in their house. But Jeremy leaned into me, and and, and then I'm telling you this story because this is what we're to do as the body of Christ. Because it's scriptural. Look in the Gospels. Brother offends you. Brother hurts you. You go to your brother. You go to your sister in Christ, and you rebuke them, or you encourage them outside of the main setting. You go to them first and foremost. And so Jeremy came to me, and he said, Chris, he said... I want you to go read Jeremiah chapter 17. For Jeremiah says the heart is wicked and deceitful. And who can know it? So we cannot rely on our hearts. Amen? We must rely on the Lord. And so we must though remember that it is the condition of our hearts. So I ask you this morning, what's in your heart? What's in your heart? You see, this is a call for us to bring our hearts into alignment with God and in alignment with his will. What is God's will for our life? Psalm 40 verse eight, I delight to do thy will, my Lord. Do you know what God's will is for your life? Have you asked him? When was the last time you asked him, Lord, what is your will for my life? What is my purpose? And many of you, if I asked, and we open the floor for a time of testimony, you could tell me that there are indeed seasons in our lives. Ecclesiastes tells us that. There are seasons for everything under the sun. Time to be born, time to die, time to sow, a time to reap. But there are seasons in our lives to where we must remember that God wants to use us differently in that season. For sometimes it is, you were a season that you were parenting. And you were preparing your children for the future. And then you became an empty nester. That's a shift, that's a change of a season. And you turn them loose, hoping that you probably would have could have only taught them more. And instilled more in them. And now you pray from the sidelines, looking on as they begin their life, as they begin their family. But your season is a new season. Your purpose might shift. You become a grandmother. You become an aunt who invests in those around you. So it's a call to bring our hearts in alignment with God and with His will. King James says, and may he fulfill all your plans. May he fulfill all thy counsel. And may he fulfill your whole purpose. The CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. May he fulfill your whole purpose. Because I don't know about you, but do you want just some of God's will and some of what God has to offer you, or do you want it all? Do you want to be in the center of where he wants you to be? And sometimes that's a struggle. And how do we know God's will? I think it's very importantly, as we shared a few months ago, as we were preaching teaching through a series, God speaks through His Word. He speaks through other people. He speaks through our circumstances. Are you listening? And are you asking Him to make your heart attuned to His and to what He has to say? Just like yesterday, as I told you the story of Miss Norma, I could have got mad and showed my tail and and been rude, but it's just like, hey, just press pause, just chill out, give them a minute, let them work it out, because God had a purpose for me to be there. And as I shared with her, I said, ma'am, I said, this is no accident that the two of us wound up here together. And she said, oh, tell me about it. She knew it wasn't an accident. To find a way to get your heart in tune with the Lord's. Here through verse 4 through 6, we see the triumph. So as they start, as David is starting, there's trouble. They're praying before they go into battle. And in Psalm 4 through 6, we see triumph. Verse 5, we see this shift. May we shout for joy. So he shifted from reminding them of, of who God is and what he does and what he wants to do. To the shift so we, may we shout for joy over your salvation. And in the name of our God, set up banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions, all your requests. May we shout for joy, may we shout for joy over Victory, Because see, those two lines are connected. And the thing that we need to remember as we read the Psalms is we're reading Hebrew, Hebrew poetry. There are different types of literature in the Bible. There's history, there's the Gospels, there's the epistles or the letters that the disciples wrote to certain churches. And the way we read those types of literature is different. And you might say, this doesn't sound like any... Poetry that I've ever heard was well, Hebrew poetry. And so you need to remember that as you study it, is that there's more there. And that's the way you have to study it. And so as we see, he's saying, may we shout for joy over your salvation, over your victory. And then says, may we set up banners. You set up banners in victory. Those two things are connected. And so we're shouting for joy. He's saying, may we shout for joy over your salvation, over the victory that the Lord will give And in the name of our God, set up banners because those banners are a sign of victory. Verse six. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed and he will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. Anytime you see, most often in scripture, the right hand, it is a denotation of that is the strong side. You think about most people I'm right handed. What is my stronger side? My right side. That is the strong side is to remind you of the strength of the Lord. And then we see verse 7. In verse 7 we see that there is trust. So there was trouble, there will be triumph, but that comes through trusting. Verse 7 was a line that I had underlined before. So some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. King James says we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We'll take pride in the name of the Lord our God. You see, friends, as long as there has been nations, there have been armies. And when there are armies, there will always be displays of power. However, they don't last. You think as you think through history and you study the different armies that have existed throughout history, they eventually come to an end. The Roman Empire, as mighty as it was in Jesus' day and time, came to an end. Look with me back in the book of Deuteronomy between Numbers and Joshua. Look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 20. As we're thinking through, you know, the prayer before the battle. As we're thinking through um, spiritual warfare and, and, and fighting the war that is before us. And as we're reminded in the New Testament that we don't, we're not at war against flesh and blood but against the powers of the air, spiritual powers. But look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. So David told us, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust, we will remember the name of the Lord our God. In Deuteronomy we read, when you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots, in an army larger than your own, you shall not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when you draw near to the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart faint, Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. As we read from Deuteronomy this morning, I I couldn't help but just notice the Holy Spirit reminded me as I was reviewing this this morning. It's the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. So, writer of Deuteronomy is pinning those words. As the church had those words, he's reminding them of the bondage and of the slavery that God had brought them out of. Friends, this morning, what do you need to be reminded of? The bondage and slavery that God has brought you out of. What battles has He won on fighting for you? I say it often. When we look to man, we get what man can do. But when we look to God, we get what God can do. So friends, people... As God's people, we don't boast in our human resources but in a God who alone can save us in every situation. It is only this kind of faith that will honor the the strong name of the Lord. Proverbs 21, 31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. In verse 8. So he's saying that some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. And those who trust in the chariots and the horses, David tells us they collapse and fall. But when we trust in the name of the Lord, we rise and stand upright. Stand with Jesus. Stand for something that matters. As the old country song goes, you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for everything. Stand with Jesus. Verse 9. O Lord, save the king. May he answer us when we call. You see, there's a theme of a salvation. There's a theme of victory. David starts and he says, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the Lord, the God of Jacob, protect you. And as he closes his psalm out, he says, Oh Lord, save the king. And may he answer us when he calls. Verse six, we saw that he has the confidence to save. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed, and he will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. And then as he ends his psalm, he petitions the Lord to do so. So I want to ask you this morning, whom do you trust? Note that I didn't say, what do you trust in? But whom do you trust? Whom do you trust in? David realized that his true might of his nation was not in their weaponry, but their worship. Trusting solely in the Lord is the way to endure crisis. And as I read this week, congregational worship strengthens our faith. That's why you come together on a Sunday morning is because we come together to be reminded as we preach and teach through God's Word that you are not alone. The battle is not yours. It is His. That you must turn to Him. You must look to His strength for His might. You come to be encouraged. You come, as some of you say here this morning, you come with a heavy burden. Some of you had a great week. Some of you could sing a, a song of praise or... Stand up and give a praise. Others of you are barely hanging on. But can I remind you this morning that it is God who saves. So, as you know, from time to time I write out prayers to encourage you. Just simple prayers that we can pray. So this morning I encourage you, if you're taking notes. Maybe this might be your prayer today. Maybe this might be your prayer this week. Lord, help me to not trust in blank, but in you. Lord, help me to not trust in my strength, but in yours. Lord, help me to not trust in my bank account, but in yours. Because scripture says our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What are you trusting in? You see, friends, in life, trouble will come. But triumph comes from trusting the Lord. And unless the Lord is king, there can be no victory. This morning, as I started with Bill Langford's quote, sometimes prayer is a matter of life and death. And when it is, You don't want to be an amateur. Every head bowed. I invite you to this time of a time of prayer and time of reflection. What have you been trusting in? Maybe you came this morning and maybe you needed to be reminded that the battle isn't yours. scripture tells us, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. As Israelites, as David prepared to take his army, they sought the Lord. I invite you now for just a moment to pray before the battles of this week and just have a conversation with your Lord.